Welcome back to the Foul Balls podcast for March 16th, 2018, the final podcast of the week, and there's probably going to be value on the Warriors again. We'll get to them later, but six-game slate. First game, the Brooklyn Nets at the Philadelphia 76ers. From the Nets side of the game, uh, I think the one guy worth rostering here is D'Angelo Russell. Still only 6,500. He had a pretty ridiculous game last time out against Toronto. He ended up finishing with 32 points and 48 fantasy points. I think it was, what, like 26 real-life points in the first quarter. Russell's now scored at least 37 fantasy points in five of his last seven games. So as long as he gets the minutes, he tends to have really big games kind of regardless of the competition. We saw him have a really big game against the Sixers two games ago. He had a good game against Toronto. He had a good game against the Warriors. It's just kind of cheap for him, 6,500 for his upside. We saw him at 8,000 earlier in the season. So... 65, I'm fine with rostering him in this spot. There is a little bit of blowout risk here, but as we've said before, the blowout risk tends to be a little bit over-exaggerated in Nets games. It does exist, but I don't think it's quite as prominent as people would think it to be. From the Sixers' side of the game, I think Joel Embiid's a really strong play at 9,500. The Nets are awful against centers. Embiid is still only 9,500, and Embiid is also just very good. Yeah, I think this is the best stack spot of the slate and probably the only angle to play the slate unless we get news on the thunder which we'll get to um, because there's some potentially slate changing injury information there but i think if we don't get any news like that and you're insistent on playing this slate i think Nets sixers is the ideal situation the nets are only nine point underdogs and yeah the nets are seeing sharp money against the spread basically every game but more so when they're on the road. For whatever reason, the Nets just don't seem to get blown out on the road ever. Um, I do think they're much much better as a team than most people give them credit for. Like we've talked about, they're just healthier now. They didn't have D'Angelo Russell for a good chunk of the season. Rondé Hollis-Jefferson was out. Karis LeVert was out. Um, Jared Allen is out now, and he's probably one of their better players. But this is still a pretty deep team, so even though guys aren't playing a ton of minutes across the board... There is There are a lot of good players on the Nets, or at least okay players on the Nets, and I think that's enough to keep the game close, and it makes Joel Embiid a really, really strong play because the one thing the Nets do very poorly is defend opposing centers. Um, so Embiid paired with guys like Russell, Hollis Jefferson, and then Alan Crabb I think is questionable, so if he's out, maybe you can throw in one or two other Nets guys, like maybe Damari Carroll, or I think Karis LeVert would actually be the stronger play at 5,000. Uh, Lavert's probably rosterable anyway, but especially if Crab's out, I think Lavert becomes a really strong play along with Russell, Hollis Jefferson, and then Embiid. I think that works for a mini game stack, but I don't really think there's anyone else that's too much worth rostering on the Sixers. I mean, if you're stacking the game, maybe include Sarge or Ben Simmons, but Embiid is for sure the primary target. All right, the next game on the slate, the Boston Celtics at the Orlando Magic. From the Celtics side of the game, Terry Rozier is now priced up to 8000 He had a really good game last time out, if you're just looking at the final score. And, I mean, he was good in regulation also. But for a 3100 price tag, a 7100 price tag, he only scored 35 points in regulation. And then he scored, what was it, 16 more fantasy points in double overtime. So, yes, he would have had a fine game. He would have been right around value had the game not gone to double overtime, but it went to double overtime and he had a massive game. So now he's priced even more expensive than he would have been because of all the extra points he had. I think 8,000 is just too expensive for him. I'm fine with rostering Al Horford at 7,000. There should still be some extra usage for him in the offense with Kyrie Irving still out and Jalen Brown also out. 
from the Magic side of the game, we have Aaron Gordon still questionably hasn't cleared concussion protocol. So if he is going to play, I think that all of the Magic players are just fades for me. Even if he's out, I just think that Vucevic and Jonathan Simmons, who get a usage bump, are kind of fringe plays. But nothing really too, too strong will play just because the Celtics are so good on defense. And Vucevic is also priced in the same range as Draymond Green, who I'm going to think is a stronger play. Yeah, Draymond will definitely be a stronger play. Uh, well, I guess we don't know the status of Kevin Durant yet, but we'll get to that. Um, the other problem for the Magic is that Al Horford returning makes the Celtics better on defense. Vucevic might have had a little bit easier of a matchup than usual if Gordon was out, so he'd get more minutes and probably more touches, and then Horford were also out, so he'd be going up against the Celtics' backup big men. But with Horford in there, that just makes the Celtics a lot better on defense. And I think it also cuts into the usage for Terry Rozier a little bit. Not that we would have rostered him at 8,000 anyway, but it's even worse of a spot with Horford there. Um, I guess it, it doesn't show up too much in the usage numbers, but just the... Um, the time that the ball is controlled by those players, I guess, gets impacted. Like Horford does kind of run the offense a little bit, and he'll probably take away from Terry Rozier's assist potential. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't like Rozier anyway. And I think this is probably just a game to avoid overall, except sort of those fringe magic plays if we do find out that Aaron Gordon's not playing. Uh, the Celtics were really strong value plays in the last game, and this is a good matchup for them, but I think the prices are just too extreme. Okay, the next game on the slate, the Dallas Mavericks at the Toronto Raptors. From the Mavericks side of the game, we have J.J. Barea questionable to play. Uh, let's see, if he's out, then more minutes for Dennis Smith Jr., more minutes for Yogi Ferrell, who's at 4,700. The issue I have here is it's a very tough matchup in Toronto. There's a lot of blowout risk here. I would say this game probably is the most blowout risk of any game on the slate. And it's also just a tough matchup. The Toronto Raptors are one of the better defensive teams in the league. So if Bray is out, I would say that Dennis Smith Jr. and Yogi Ferrell are fringe plays just because the slate is small. But neither of them would be primary targets for me. From the Raptors side of the game, the pricing on DeMar DeRozan and Kyle Lowry, 76 and 7,800. I think they're both fine to use, but also would not be great plays. Yeah, there definitely is blowout risk in this game. The spread's at 11.5, but it actually opened at 12.5. So for some reason, it's dropped. Um, maybe this is just because the Raptors are on a back-to-back and that wasn't priced in, into the opening line. Uh, I'm not really sure. But game stacking here seems kind of out of the question because there just isn't a lot of pricing value and there are better spots. I think I probably just wouldn't roster anyone from Toronto because the price range that Lowry and DeRozan are in, it's very likely that we'll just have a lot better choices in that price range. So maybe they're, they are guys to have in a couple lineups if you have a lot of lineups. Otherwise, I wouldn't really target them unless something changes. And then Dallas, yeah, I think if Bray is out, that opens up a little value. But overall, this isn't one of the stronger games. Okay, next game on the slate is the L.A. Clippers at the Oklahoma City Thunder. This is the tail end of a back-to-back for the Clippers, but I still think that this is probably a better stack game than people would realize depending on the injury situation for the Thunder because we have Paul George and Steven Adams both questionable to play. They're the two best defensive players on the Thunder. If both of them are out, this is not really that difficult of a matchup for the Clippers, and Tobias Harris has been priced down to 7300 Lou Williams at 7400 
I think that both of them would be fine plays. And if Adams and Paul George are both ruled out, well, if, if Paul George is just ruled out, then Westbrook is a really strong play because it's a ridiculous amount of usage for him. If both of them are ruled out, then Carmelo becomes a pretty strong play at 5,900, and Jeremy Grant would have to play a lot of minutes at 4,300. I like a game stack built around guys like Lou Williams, Tobias Harris, Westbrook, Anthony, and Jeremy Grant. Yeah, the, uh, the Clippers' prices are actually sort of reasonable. They were priced up a ton over the last week or so. I think Tobias Harris reached the 8,000s. I'm just double-checking that. Yeah, he was up to 8,300 last week, but he's down to 74 for this game. Lou Williams is at 73. Um, maybe the back-to-back is priced in here, and maybe the perceived blowout risk is priced in here. But if Paul George doesn't play, that's a huge knock to the Thunder win probability. And it, pro- it probably wasn't that much blowout risk to begin with because OKC has just kind of been overrated all year. They just aren't that good for whatever reason, despite all the talent they have. And if George and Adams are both out, I think it's pretty likely this game stays close, and then there's all this pricing value anyway. And then I guess the player I'm unsure about for game stacks would be DeAndre Jordan. I would think he definitely gets a pretty big boost if Steven Adams doesn't play. But would you roster Jordan if Adams is in the game in what is kind of a pretty tough matchup? Uh, no, I would, I would, also, I kind of just think he's expensive and there's better players in that price range. So to me, I'm not even sure I would roster him if Adams was out. And then if I do roster him, it would just solely be in game stacks. Yeah, I I think he is someone just to roster for game stacks. And if Adams is in, then I probably wouldn't use him at all. Um, I just want to correct something from the Nets game. Jared Allen is actually probable. So that's a little less value for, I guess it's Rondé Hollis Jefferson is the only player that I mentioned that that really impacts and it probably is a little bit worse for Joel Embiid, but doesn't change much from that game. I think we can stand by the analysis we had there. Uh, as far as the OKC game, uh, do you think you'll use, or would you use Carmelo if just Paul George is out, or do you need the boost of Steven Adams being out also? No, I, I think that Melo would be fine without Paul George also. I'll bring up the exact numbers, uh, but I'm pretty sure that he has a really high bump in usage with George off the court this year. For Jeremy uh, Grant, though, I think he would only really be rosterable if both Adams and Paul George are out. Because he's yeah, a little I bit expensive. That, that. Just because it's it's a minutes issue for him if uh, if both of them aren't out. Uh, okay, so Carmelo Anthony's usage goes from 24.2 to 30.1 with Paul George off the court. Russell Westbrook goes from a 34.8% usage to 43.9% without Paul George. So uh, both of them, to me, really strong plays if George is unavailable. Yeah, and they make sense to correlate with the other side of the game, too. So this is the strongest stack spot of the night. If George is out, I think it's even stronger if Steven Adams is out. If both guys are in, though, then I think the best target is still the Nets sixers game. Uh, but hopefully we get some value on the Thunder, so it makes this slate more playable. All right. Uh, next game is the Kings at the Warriors. Figuring out the Kings is so annoying. I mean, I know this matchup is going to be easier than what people would think of it as because even though there's still going to be blowout risk, there is no Steph Curry. There's no Klay Thompson. Draymond Green's back. Kevin Durant is questionable. I assume that he's not going to play. I think they just put him on the injury report because they intend to sit him out, and the league frowns upon just resting guys without injury designation. So I think that is the plan. I think that there is going to be no Kevin Durant tomorrow. But from the Kings' side of the game, I just don't know who's going to play. Is Zebo going to rest? Is Kufis going to rest? Is Scal going to play? Because Scal's questionable with the hip injury that caused him to miss the last few games. 
So I think I'm kind of inclined to maybe throw in like De'Aaron Fox, Willie Cauley-Stein, Buddy Heald, just because those are the guys who I know are going to be playing minutes regardless. Uh, but also, once again, I don't think any of them are super strong plays. From the Warriors side of the game, Draymond Green, really, really strong guy to pay up for on the slate. He's at 8,600. This is with the assumption that Duran is out. Green, all of the offense is going to go through him. Uh, then Nick Young and Omri Caspi, I think both have upside, but I am a little concerned with their slightly inflated prices, how much they're actually going to play in this spot. Uh, we only saw 20 minutes from Caspi last game. He did play very well and hit value in his 20 minutes. But if he's only going to play 20 minutes again, I don't really love him at 4,200, which I think is a distinct possibility. Uh, I also think that David West could maybe be worth looking at in GPP. Same with Andre Iguodala at 4,400. Um, but I think that everybody on the Warriors is probably a little bit risky, even though I'm very sure that a couple of those cheap guys are going to hit value. I'm just not sure who, which one of them that it's going to be. So I pretty much agree with all of that. The only thing I really have to add from this game is that if Scal doesn't play, I actually do think Willie Cauley-Stein is a, is a pretty good play, not just a fringe play. I think he would be someone to have a decent amount of exposure to. Darren Fox, I agree with you, is kind of just fringy. But I don't think you need to stack this game, especially if Paul George ends up being out. So from a lineup construction standpoint, it would make sense to have a lot of Carmelo Anthony, a lot of Russell Westbrook, a lot of Draymond Green. It probably makes us go lighter on Embiid, but we're going to need punt plays if you're using Westbrook, Melo, and Green in lineups, along with either Tobias Harris or Lou Williams. I think it's too tough to use both Harris and Lou Williams, but it does make sense to have one or the other in most lineups. So we're going to have to use cheaper players, and there really isn't anyone else available besides Nick Young and Omri Caspi, and I guess like you could go to David West or Quinn Cook or Sean Livingston. Do you think it makes sense to use, let's say, one of those punts per lineup, or would you be comfortable with two of them? Because I, I think it would be better to limit it to one of them if possible. Um, no, I, th I think you could still throw a couple of them into lineups together. I wouldn't have an issue with it. Nick Young is probably the safest one just because he's going to start at shooting guard. I think that we're probably not going to know who's starting in place of Durant or really what the Warriors starting lineup is at all until right before lock. Because like last game, we assumed that Omri Caspi was starting and then we found out that Kevon Looney was starting before the game and he was not something we considered at all. So there could be some weirdness that goes on with that also. Maybe Iguodala ends up entering the starting lineup. I think that everybody is risky at least somewhat, and Nick Young is the safest of those guys. But I would be fine with rostering like Nick Young and Caspi together because they both definitely could score like 25 to 30 fantasy points each. Yeah, I, I think they did. Uh, uh, I actually, I think I prefer Andre Iguodala to Caspi. Well, I think it, it depends who starts. Well, it, it also depends if we know who's starting before lock. Like, Whichever guy is named the starter, if we get that information before lock, that's the better play. Iguodala didn't play a ton last game either, but I think one thing that's notable is that with Draymond Green playing instead of Kevin Durant, it's kind of just Durant going out for Green, that opens up more usage for everyone else. Durant is a very high usage player. Draymond Green is not a very high usage player. He's more of a distributor, so that's actually a lot better of a situation for someone like Nick Young, probably someone like Omri Caspi. I don't know if it's much of a bump for Iguodala because he's a facilitator too. Maybe the Warriors, I don't know. We, we kind of are guessing what the Warriors are doing with their starting lineup, but I do think it's a better situation for Nick Young and Caspi than it was last game with Durant in and Draymond Green out. 
Yeah, it would definitely be a better situation for those cheap guys, except for that they're more expensive. Right, so maybe the improvement in the situation is enough to offset their price increase. And it's also a good matchup against the Kings, who are very, very bad. Um, there's also probably not a ton of blowout risk here. The spread's 12, but if Durant doesn't end up playing, it probably drops to just below 10. I would think around 8 or 9 if Durant's out, because I think the line is still treating this situation as though Durant's kind of 50-50. And then in that case, there's some blowout risk, but there wouldn't be a crazy amount where I'd be uncomfortable rostering four Warriors together in the same lineup without any Kings players, because they're all just so cheap enough anyway that a blowout would still probably allow them all to hit value. All right, final game on the slate, the Miami Heat at the Los Angeles Lakers. From the Heat side of the game, Dwayne Wade's out again. Uh, Hassan Whiteside's out again, and we have Josh Richardson is doubtful, so I'm going to assume that he's not playing tomorrow, which means for a game against the Lakers, uh, James Johnson at 5,200 is a fine play. I think Bam's a fine play at 4,900. Ellington's a fine play at 4,400. Drogic is fine to pay up for at 7,500. From the Lakers side of the game, See, what is the pricing? I also think the over-under for this game is probably going to be higher than most people would expect because Whiteside's out. A lot of Heat games tend to have low expected point outputs, but not necessarily the case when Whiteside's out because the Heat played a faster pace without him, and they're better on offense without Whiteside. Uh, from the Lakers' side of the game, Kyle Kuzma is questionable for the second consecutive game. If he's out, then I really like Brooke Lopez, Julius Randle, and Isaiah Thomas in this spot because Thomas... Moved into the starting lineup last game with Kuzma out, and Thomas ended up playing 37 minutes against the Warriors. So good spot for him if Kuzma can't play. Yeah, I think I think Kuzma will play. I don't know. Maybe it's a situation where we don't find out before lock. But it is definitely notable, the white side thing, where when he doesn't play, both teams score more points. I just don't know how much exposure it makes sense to have to this game because there's so much value elsewhere. The Brook Lopez thing is just really frustrating to me because he was terrible at 4,000, 4,500 for a while in games where we were rostering him. Now he's in the 6,000s and he's hitting value easily every night. I think he hit value in the early part of the second quarter last game. But I, I don't know. It's a boost to the matchup for Lopez without Whiteside there, but I don't think I would use him anyway just because there's so much value around the rest of the teams. It, it, it's it's a difficult game, but if we know Kuzma's out, I guess that could open up enough value that it makes the game worth considering. I just think the Thunder game is such a strong target. The Warriors are such a strong target. Even the Nets and Sixers, to an extent, are strong targets that there's not much reason to go too far into the other games. Uh, yeah, I think that's fair. To me, it's just whether... Is there any particular reason you think Kuzma's going to play? I guess he didn't play last game. You know what it is? I'm I'm remembering the logic that I had for last game where I thought Kuzma would, would play because he returned to the game the game before. So you were wrong last time, so you have to double down on it. No, I uh it was kind of just a brain fart. I think I'm gonna change my mind now because you've you've called me out on it. I, I don't actually think that I have any reason to suspect Kuzma will play. This is just uh remembering the logic from two days ago. Yeah, I have no idea if Kuzma's gonna play. I guess uh I'll I'll take that one back. But he, it didn't seem to be a serious injury. I guess it would be purely speculative to say that he's, for some reason, going to be in the lineup. Yeah, um, not really sure either. I think what happened was they just said that his ankle swelled up a lot on him after the game was over. He'd rolled an ankle. It was the tail end of a back-to-back, so he was able to come back in the game, and then it was just bothering him more the next day. It was more swollen. Uh, they had shoot-around today, and Kuzma wasn't able to participate. So 
I would say that there's I, I think he's questionable tomorrow. I think that's my take. <laughs> yeah, I think Kuzma is questionable too. I think we uh we are very much in agreement on his status as of now. Okay, so that is gonna finish today's podcast. You can follow me on Twitter at GRMDFS. Matt's Twitter handles at preaching sense and have a good weekend.